0: Welcome to Group Talk, four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay.
1: Hey, Small Group Network, welcome back to another episode of Reading Lens. We're so glad you chose the time to hang out with us. Here's how Reading Lens works. Each month, I have with us a guest who is also a small group's point person to share with you insights from books we are reading and what our takeaways were and how we plan to incorporate them into our lives, leadership, and our small groups. Today, as always, I have with us a special guest and one of my personal favorites because she's here on staff with me at Hoboken Grace, but this is the lovely Sarah Nero.
2: Hey, everybody.
1: Sarah, why don't you tell us about yourself?
2: I am the wife to CJ, mom to Leela Rose. She's two and a half. Um, I am originally, you'll probably notice, I do not sound like I'm from New Jersey uh, because <laughs> I'm not. Uh, well, I didn't grow up in New Jersey. I should say that. New Jersey is now home. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I, 10 years ago this year, moved from North Carolina to um, work in finance and to be in trust and wealth management. And four and a half years into that journey, um, God kind of changed my plans. And brought me on staff at Hoboken Grace, and so for the last uh, six years, I've been on staff here at Hoboken Grace, wearing different hats. Um, and the most recent one is being uh, the associate director with you for
1: groups. Man, I was gonna say the other thing, like you—you you acknowledged your accent, which, like, obviously we here on staff give you a hard time. But you know what's interesting is I don't—I don't think I've ever really learned the Jersey accent. The only accent I can do is—is is more Brooklyn than it's Jersey. I which can't would, do any of it. Yeah, you can't do I, any- I,
2: it. It just, yeah.
1: So for me, mine's the, uh, like, hey, we're doing groups over here, like, or just, you know, just basic, like, I
2: feel like it's a little bit better. tough
1: guy. But I worked with more Brooklyn people at JP at Morgan. But that's the other thing that uh, Sarah and I have in common. It's interesting you moved to New York, especially Hoboken. 60% of the people who live here in Hoboken work in the financial district and you learn a lot about banking. So, you know, coming into this, I was almost going to say, like, Sarah was also in investment banking, but she wasn't, she was in wealth management which is completely different from what I was doing. Yeah. Which is just, it's so funny that like banking gets that detailed, but you know what? So do churches. So it's
2: true. You can say you're in finance and I'm like, but what part of finance? There are so many parts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What attracted you to want to work for a church?
2: To be really honest, my heart was in the nonprofit space. So coming Mm -hmm. out of the corporate world, my last role at U.S. Trust was to work in philanthropy solutions. And so, my heart was really working with charities and nonprofits in their grants, their grant writing, and specifically how trust, wills, and estate management fed through that. And so I worked with a lot of nonprofits um, and how they were funded, and how we and the offerings of the bank could help them, you know, achieve the, the dreams and the things that they had and help them run. And so I really remember the year that I took that role at the bank was the year I got married, and I knew that my husband had. Just taken a new job when we got married. And I knew that we both couldn't have a new job in year one Mm -hmm. because that's just too much newness. And so I was like, okay, God, I feel like corporate America might not really be where I go long term, but I would really love to work in the nonprofit space. But I'm just going to put that out there and let you figure it out because I know now is not the time. So he moved me to the philanthropic group and I spent a year and a half there. And then honestly, just community is what. Like the love of community, the love of volunteerism, the love of people. Um, because I, my favorite part of what I did at the bank was all client management, um, family foundations, and really working with people to achieve their dreams and help them be good stewards of what they have been given. And I feel like I still kind of get to do that now. It just has a different effect.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is which is awesome. So let me ask you this question: You you talked about community and and its a, its influence on this. So I'm curious, you know, I've shared before on my own opinion of what makes Hoboken unique in our context. One of the things I love to do on this podcast is get my guests to explain their context so they can understand how that influences what we have learned um, and what we've read and how that uh, that kind of applies. So
2: sure.
1: what in your own words, what, what makes Hoboken unique?
2: Well, the reason I moved to this area was because there was no way I was going to live in Manhattan. So, to me, Hoboken was the small town of Manhattan choices. Um,
1: What makes it a small town?
2: It makes it a small town because, to me, there was hustle and bustle, but the level of hustle and bustle is not quite Manhattan standards, right? Yeah. Um, But also, I knew that I was completely new to an area in life that was foreign to me, and I needed to go off of somebody's instructions. And Mm. I met... A friend of mine who was um, really good friends with me in college met their lovely Italian grandparents and they were like, if you're coming up here to work at the bank, you have to move to Hoboken. Wow. And they set it up to me and and they are still alive to this day. They're like in their 90s and they they were the ones who originally in a small restaurant in Dunn, believe it or not, because they were visiting their grandson, they told me it is an up-and-coming place for young professionals just like you. And they were like, you're going to love it. And it has a great um, community atmosphere. And they were like, and because you're not used to city life, it could probably help you navigate whether you want to stay here or
1: not. Wow. That is incredible. I've n- we've worked 10 years. I've never heard that before. Yeah. And I would just say, if you're listening in, usually I take a- places to stop and acknowledge certain things. Um hey, you're take your coworkers out to lunch, ask them that question. Hey, what makes the city you live in unique? I yeah, did not expect you didn't that know. answer or have heard that story before yeah. and now every single coworker, I think that's going to be the question that says like, hey, what's what makes Hoboken unique to you or
2: And you know what the cool part is of the story? Yeah. Their grandson ended up moving to Hoboken and him Get and his out. wife now own a store here in Hoboken and they have a son that's just a little Younger than my daughter, and so now they are a thriving part of this community that we actually joined together ten years ago. Um and his wife lived with me for six months. and then she went back to Campbell University where I went to school, finished her schooling, came up here, and they've settled here. so yeah. it's it's a pretty cool like i get I get the warm fuzzies thinking about it, but it's a pretty cool way that that started for me. And it was just a glimpse of city life and what could be for me when I moved here and ten years later. It's home.
1: Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Okay, so we're gonna start diving into today's episode, Let's and do it. today is unique in that we don't have a book for you. No, nope. uh, it's reading lens. So strike up another episode where Nick Lindsay's a fraud. But <laughs> um, this is what happened. Sarah, uh, she will not say this, so I'm gonna say this on her behalf. <laughs> Sarah is a phenomenal at hospitality, making people feel welcome, mm. and it's something that all of us in Small groups really need to learn of how do we treat our guests that come in. And Sarah's had some experience with first impressions, which is, or guest services or you know whatever you call it at your church. So those people who kind of help welcome you into a church. And then um, she has brought a lot of those things into our small groups, which has been super beneficial to our group's life. And I always had this episode in my pocket because of <laughs> working with Sarah and I kept... You know, Sarah and I would go to lunch and we'd talk about like, hey, when are we going to get you on the podcast? And I said, we've got to find that hospitality book that stands out to us. And I got to be honest, Sarah really needs to write this book because (laughs) this book does not exist that I know of. Um, I would love for you guys to tell me what that book is that I may have missed. But we tried a few different books. I was really hoping for this one book. I'm not even going to say it just so that I, I don't like to say negative things about other books and stuff like that. But Um, I was really hoping it was going to be this, this one book and we were just trying to force it. And so we're going to be honest with you. We decided we wanted to give you this content more than we wanted to try to find a book to force this into um, that kind of aligns with the truth that we've kind of experienced here when it comes to hospitality. Yeah.
2: And not to say that there's not good guest services or guest books and hospitality books out there because I Mm -hmm. Surely believe. I mean, I could give you some that. Yeah, are go ahead. Great. Give me. What I was gonna say. Um, I would say be our guest from the Disney is probably one of my top ones. Um, and I think it actually closely relates not only to guest services on a Sunday morning perspective, but it actually does. And a lot of it, a lot of that is what got my gears turning for what we're going to talk about today. Um, I do think the Set Your Table book from um,
1: Danny Myers. Yep,
2: there we go. That book is actually really good.
1: Another one we're going to touch on that we did a previous episode on is Art of the Gathering. Yes. is another phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. I would say Priya Parker understands hospitality better than anyone. Yes, yeah, she does. Um, And her blog. Oh, my gosh. Is that really good, too? She started to do more. Does a newsletter or something. Something comes to my email from her. Okay. And it's phenomenal. So I would just say go to PriyaParker.com. You go. After you visited smallgroupnetwork.com right. <laughs> and checked out our resources. Hey, so one other thing that's really unique about today's episode is that uh, we are really recording this for you to be able to pass on to your group leaders. So we we are doing this with them in mind. And so, hey, if your group director or your group pastor sent this to you, hi, and um, we're glad that you're here. And this is recorded specifically for you because we think that being hospitable inside of your group is going to really benefit not just you, but really your group and help people feel welcome and loved um, by not only you, but by him. So true. Okay, so when did you notice that you kind of had this gift in hospitality?
2: I think I realized there was a point probably after I moved here where I realized the through line of my experiences growing up and from my parents and my grandparents and the people that were in our community, what I learned and what I had accumulated was starting to like bubble out um, at ferocious pace or more ferocious pace than it did before in my life. Um, And I think I realized it brought me immense joy. And at that point, it was like, okay, this kind of joy or like deep satisfaction is not just joy and deep satisfaction. It's actually me experiencing God the way God created me.
1: Mm. And this isn't a ploy of you trying to convince Yankees how to be hospitable. No. Okay. Just making sure.
2: Not directly. anyway. (laughs) Kidding.
1: all right so let's give you guys some helpful tips on how to be hospitable in groups what what is it What you say is like our goals of our groups why are we trying to be hospitable
2: because we want to create an environment where people have an opportunity to pursue healthy relationships and spiritual growth right so it's it's really about creating creating the environment
1: yeah and so then how do we actually create that environment
2: so i think we have to think about something first so creating environments we're thinking of you can think about the group itself, but I really think it starts before you even enter an environment. Mm. Um, the, so
1: before they even get to their group.
2: Yeah. You, we need to start exercising hospitality before they enter into group itself. We need to think about what they're bringing into group. Uh, maybe some of the feelings and things they have coming into it.
1: What is it that you think <laughs> the person on the other side is experiencing?
2: A lot of things. Right. Let I mean, if we sit and talk about it, the you know the fear. They have yeah. no idea what they're about to experience because they don't know what they don't know. Right. Yeah. They're probably be bringing in a lot of expectation. You know, years ago in dinner groups, we had someone come and say that they studied the Bible for three hours. Yeah. Because they did not, well, they studied the sermon and, and the scriptures from Sunday's conversation for three hours because they thought the expectation was to be that educated and well informed before they walk into groups. So, <laughs> so they're coming with an expectation that, Might not actually be true, uh huh. Um, And they may have expectations of what they've experienced from possible groups in the past, which may have been not positive experience.
1: Yeah. So they don't know necessarily how they should be able to participate inside of this group, exactly, or what the social norms are,
2: exactly. And if the group has already been formed, you have out outsider issues, right? That you're Mm -hmm. you're coming as a new person into a group that's already existed, at least that you know of. Yeah. Right. And so you're coming in and you're going to be the new person. Um, And then there's that idea of I've got to be vulnerable, Mm. right? Vulnerable to show up, vulnerable to share and open your mouth, vulnerable to let new people inside of your life, um, vulnerable to actually start sharing your spiritual journey with some folks for and for some people that is deeply, deeply personal and a wall that they might not have let down yet.
1: Why do you think they still choose to show up? Because they want to belong. They want a place to belong.
2: They want a place to belong. They, they know that, you know, if they've heard us say from the stage or from our social media or from if they've been personally invited, they, they know that there might be something that helps them. Mm-hmm. There might be, a, they, they might recognize a hole or something that's lacking in their life. So they may be drawn because of what's lacking. And so I think there's that idea of wanting to be a part and belonging to something and having something meaningful.
1: Yeah, I, that's that's really great. And what I would encourage you guys too, to be thinking about is like, what was that first group experience like for you, and what were some of the things that you were experiencing? Because,
2: but I think one of, the, if you don't mind me adding, yeah. I, I think one of the the things to remember and is encouraging to you of your new d- new group leader, and this starts to sound overwhelming that you're responsible for all these feelings and the heaviness that somebody's bringing into group, but you're not going to be able to answer all of the things that they're bringing in and what they no, might be feeling. Heck, no. There's no way, right? Yeah. But the more that we can determine what those things are, and the more we can be aware, and the more we put ourselves back in that place of being new, whether it's the first time you walked into group, the first time you went on a first date, the first time that you walked into church ever, um, the first time you, you know, showed up for your first day of college classes. I mean. Yeah. You met your roommate, you know, there are things that you, <laughs> there are things that we can draw back to you of our own experiences that will help us determine, you know, what they might be experiencing, break it down. And. It provides a higher chance of somebody sticking.
1: Yeah. So what are what are some basics of hospitality that we need to acknowledge first?
2: I think we have to understand an important truth and that is hospitality is more than just entertainment. You know, you alluded to it earlier. It's, Would you
1: even say that it's the majority? Explain. Do you that think person. that entertainment's the majority?
2: That that's what people think it is?
1: No, I'm saying like when you think about hospitality is entertain is it do you think it's more entertainment or is it actually no, it's more how you care for them?
2: No, it's totally about how you're caring for the person. I think the entertainment factor is, is, is quite small.
1: Yeah, right. But I would say like perception though, is that, oh, I need to put up this front. And then this is like. Right. Right.
2: Oh, definitely. And I think that's what intimidates people from wanting to be or thinking about hospitality. But I think what the truth here is, is is something really important. And I think that's really why we're talking about it today is because it's biblical. It's yeah. not just about all the things that come along with it or this idea of entertainment. I I took some time to, to To study it, I'm not really. I don't want to say that like I'm a biblical scholar or anything. But
1: don't underestimate when I when
2: when I look at scripture, mainly the the New Testament. Um, I I love what it says in Romans 12, and I'm going to read it just because I think the wording here is so interesting. It says, "Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit." serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And here's the last line. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. So in verse 13, it's literally telling us to pursue hospitality. It implies continuous action. It is a verb that is implying continuous action. So the command here is that hospitality is not just a one-time thing, but it's a constant attitude and practice. Mm -hmm. And that, I don't think that is just entertainment right? No. Yeah. It's not just entertainment. Then you look at first Peter and it's telling us above all hold unfailing your love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. And again, the last line practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. And the NIV says offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So in other words, what, what I you know, am drawing from this, and and what I'm hearing it tell me is that, in other words, let your hospitality be an extension or an overflow of God's hospitality to you, and that you're being a good steward of God's grace.
1: Yeah, I think that's beautiful, and I also just I'm shocked no one's ever used. I love the way that the the verse that you picked out. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly, <laughs> and right? so I'm really thankful that no one's ever said like Nick, like you can you can do this ungrudgingly, like. Let's, you know, let's encourage you here, buddy.
2: Nobody's called you out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I I love that part. Um, What about any other examples that you see in the New Testament where you you see this specifically?
2: Definitely. I mean, an easy one would be Mary and Martha, right? Yeah. I mean, of them preparing for Jesus's arrival and then all Mm -hmm. that Martha goes into. But then also in that same scenario, the way that Mary is caring for Jesus in that and lavishing her love on him. Um, one of my favorite things to think about is, you know, when, when you kind of, you know, our pastor always tells us to put ourselves in the story. Think about this. The disciples and Jesus were traveling by foot everywhere they went. Right. Yeah. And it's always telling us throughout the New Testament multiple times, like more times than I can sit here and just reference a couple of times. It's it, they traveled from house to house. They stayed with people. And so as Jesus and the disciples were traveling, people were opening their homes, feeding them, you know, there were. There was so many instances of hospitality being shown to them. And and then, of course, you know, we look at Jesus and the disciples, the way he washed their feet, the way he treated them, the way he talked to them, the way he brought them in, the way he dined with them. Even looking, I'm even thinking about it now, you know, thinking about the way the, the thousands gathered, yeah. you know, and the way they fed them and cared for them because they were under their care, you know, and listening to him speak. And so I go through all of that. Um, yeah. And and of course, you know, it's the greatest example is what Jesus did for us, right? So out of the overflow of of what he has done for us, we can then share it with other people.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. And I think, you know, even hearing you talk about that, I I, I want to stop to acknowledge too like for you the listener that, you know, we shared earlier like, oh, well, think about how the person that's coming feels, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Look at Jesus example of like he's Practicing hospitality or being hospitable mm-hmm. to strangers. And like, yeah. that's what we're asking of you guys that, like, hey, we're asking that you guys practice hospitality to people that you don't know and you're going to welcome them into your home and, and
2: into your life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know,
2: it's just not your physical dwelling. You're yeah. inviting them into your life.
1: And so I, I think that we should just like acknowledge that too. Like, yeah, this is going to be hard. Oh, but I totally. think that God has really phenomenal things in this, and I think if you're someone who's been leading more than a month, I think you understand the joys that can come from these strangers.
2: Well, extremely, and and what I love is that yeah. to call it a practice that means there has to be a posture, right? Yeah. So our the posture is of our heart. What is the posture of my heart? Because when you're thinking about it, you know, I, I'm I'm going to speak of it in my own personal life. You know, two year old running around an hour before group. Getting everybody food, thinking about you know what in the world I've got toys and baby dolls and Paw Patrol cars everywhere, and you know like (laughs) and and you know food all over my counter and and but then I have to like call myself back to no like this is an honor. What is the posture posture of my heart is not necessarily the shape of my home, but really what is the posture of my heart in which I am bringing these people in. Because the Bible asked me to do it ungrudgingly and without grumbling.
1: Yeah, and comes back to this constant attitude and practice that we are participating in. Yeah, and
2: if we're doing that, then can you imagine if that's the foundation we're creating? We We are starting out before they even get there with our hearts being in the right place. And I fully believe if that's where we're starting, then we're off to a really good start.
1: Yeah, why is it easy to neglect this idea?
2: Because people think it's hard and and we can really get tricked up in thinking that it's about the physical thing. but it is easy to overlook that practice or that posture. But if we have people coming in with the heavy things, if we have people coming in you know to our homes where they're they're scared and worried and being vulnerable and, and things like that, then we have to remember a couple of truths and one of them is that um, people remember how you make them feel mm-hmm. right? Totally, And there's that line where it says people don't care how much, you know, they, they, uh, until they know how much you care. Right. And so I think something about that line is very interesting and it's something that we should kind of keep in mind. This is kind of like a, a little, you know, a uh, neurological nugget for us to know is that when we see things and when we feel them, we feel things faster than we optically process them. Yes. So we're feeling first. We don't even realize it's happening. Um, now understanding that it's coming from the right side of our brain,
1: yeah. I was just gonna say, like, if you have, we have another episode called The Other Half of the Church, and Sarah and I are just, we just also had that same moment when it hit the left side of our brain. Now that we've learned this, that uh, we've we've recently read a book, there's a podcast on this two episodes ago, uh, called The Other Half of the Church, but. Uh, pretty much, it defends the science of what she just shared. And we're, we're laughing because we wrote this before we read that book. And so it's but coming back honestly, in our face. Honestly, in reading
2: that book, I was like, this is true. This is so true. Yeah. And, and the thing is, um, this is how important our feelings are. And, yes. and it's how feelings are important to hospitality because people are coming in with a lot of heavy things. Yes. They're craving something relational, which means it can't be transactional which again means hospitality is not transactional. It's not entertainment. It's not making just somebody happy. It's not just making things look pretty and smell good. It's mm-hmm. actually setting up an environment where they can feel first and then optically process and then go to their brain space and let that other side start working. Um, because that's how God made us, right? I, I think about, you know, a, A couple of examples of this would be, do you remember the the conversation or the message you first heard when you walked into your first group?
1: Absolutely not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I bet you can remember your first night at group. Oh, totally. And what were some of the feelings that you remember from that
1: night? I remember that night. This is is a funny thing. I always love telling this story because I was 23 at the time and I remember going to, to small group for the first time. I was invited by my friend, Jeff, who uh, I was on setup team with, and he invited me to be a part of this group. And I got there and it's a bunch of older guys. you know how old these guys were? 30. 27. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, these guys are so much older than me. Like, and it, was, it just felt like they had their life together. But the thing that really stood out to me, it was so impactful in my life was how they talked about and treated their, their spouse and or significant other. And it was so countercultural to everything else that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I remember like how that made me feel like we just talked about. Yeah. Um, I can't even tell you what food we had there that night, right? So it's just another one of those things like, I don't remember that things, but I could tell you six of the guys that were at that group, and I think there were eight or nine.
2: I could also probably tell you the same. Um, one of them being that your lovely wife was in my first oh. group. And I remember what I hold from that night is not even being the new person in group. What I hold from that night is how it felt breaking off into pairs of two and praying for the other person and how pivotal that group of women were to me thriving in Hoboken because they made me feel like one, yes, you just made a huge step in your life. Yes, it was scary, but you're going to be okay. And I needed that. I needed to know that I just did not make the scariest decision of my entire life and I'm gonna fail.
1: Okay, so we've gotten into hospitality. I think we've clearly covered the why, right? So let's get into the practical stuff. And I think a good place to start with this that we've kind of identified is let's think about tangible versus non-tangible hospitality. So I think that we should definitely start with the tangible things. And so um, when it comes to groups, the thing that's really important when things get started is one of the first interactions that you're generally going to have with people. And I, we're going to make a few assumptions here. So one, we assumed the strangers aspect of this. Yes. And I think this might also be, maybe it might be particular to our culture. We have a, ton, we have a very transient community. So we have people coming in all the time. And so our, our signups are always open for people to join. And so for us, we have a lot of online signups, people who are interested in joining the group and things like that. So it's going to take an initial response. So, for you, this initial response may be when you meet them on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. and you're inviting someone to the group, and they're like, Well, won't you tell me more about your group? Like, kind of thing. Or for our example that we're going to use here, I think some of the principles transfer over is the email that you're going to originally send to them. And so, the first kind of tip that we give with this is that we want you to provide a clear expectation. <laughs> of what they're going to experience. And so like- And this is Pratt, Yeah, which is like, hey, and so I have a few things here, like (laughs) time, address, buzzer, kind of cell phone number, and then like what to bring. And so we, at our culture, we call our small groups dinner groups. And so Mm -hmm. there's this expectation of like, hey, are you guys gonna eat? Do I need to bring anything? Do I bring stuff? But it goes back to the like, hey, what are they experiencing before they come? And so for us, like, the other thing I think that's unique about Hoboken is that the culture, like, it's not often that you get invited into somebody else's home. It's a really big deal in New York City if you get invited to somebody else's home. Yes. And both parties know that. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, providing them, like, hey, when you get here, look for this. And, like, you know what's funny is other places, this was obviously uh, pre-Google Maps and things like that, when you used to have to give, like, physical references of, like, You're going to get the third
2: house down on the right, or
1: when you go past the purple house, make a right. Yeah. So that is still a reality here in our apartments because our apartments are so complex. It's like you're going to take the elevator up to Mm -hmm. the third floor and then you're going to make a right kind of thing. And And
2: it's the past, the one with the funny welcome. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So all these things that we're trying to share with you is that like we want to take out the guesswork from that that initial expectation. And so they want to know like, I, the other thing I do is release the expectation, listen, you don't need to bring anything the first night. Like, we'll we'll cover that for you. I just you. want like, you to come. Yeah. That's
2: usually just what I say. I, we want it lower the, the barrier for them yeah. to come.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I realize what I just said sounds like, man, that's a lot of details you're putting in this. And that's a big mistake that a lot of group members or group leaders make in their initial email is like, I don't think this is the time for you to share your life story. So like, it doesn't need to be this like huge thing of like, here's kind of the expectations of of what needs to come with this.
2: No, because remember that if you are, if you are someone walking in to the first and you get this email from someone and they unload their like testimony on you, you're like, yeah, that might be too heavy for me to join. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take part. So let's just get them there. Give Mm -hmm. them what they need to know to get there and that they are welcome. And then I love, I learned this for you. I think one of the other practical tips about an invite email is we don't want to use the word hope.
1: Yeah. Right? Throw out the word hope. It's, we all say, well, we hope to see you. No. Throw it out of here.
2: Throw out the hope. <laughs> say, I will see you. Go ahead and set the the one expectation you can set yeah. is that you're going to see them. So we, I'll, I'll see you next week, you know? Yeah. Because.
1: And let me explain the why on this. This is super important. So the reason why I say throw out the hope and say, I'm going to see you there. Mm-hmm is because you're setting the expectation that they are going to be there. When you say hope, it's not confident whether they're going to be there or not. So there's no expectation for them to tell you they're not going to come. Yeah. Now, Sweet. I'm not going to promise you that just because you wrote I'll see you there on Monday that they're not going to not email you
2: <laughs> and not show up.
1: <laughs> you'll have a much stronger percentage of people telling you like, "Hey, it's now Monday. I I couldn't my dog threw up. I can't make it." Right. Like <laughs> and you know. Yeah. Um the other thing I've learned recently since we've last written this that I have done, I don't think I've actually shared this with you, Sarah, is I also, if I if your database or how they sign up, if they ever give you the number, I've just kind of I just start texting them and I say, Hey, I just sent you an email because I want them to go look at it. And I say, Here's here's my phone number in case you need uh to get a hold of me. And I'm gonna give you in our show notes, the example that I use for my own group, because you'll see the reference in it that like, I, I'll give them my phone number as well. I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not going to give you my phone number. Um, <laughs> well, the phone number in it will be Steve's instead. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but but um, that, that's just, I think, a, a modern thing. Because here's the thing I realized, so we have people who sign up online, mm-hmm. but where is it likely that you sign up for things? using your phone right Usually on your phone. and so sometimes people who use their phone like they don't really even though the email lives on the phone they don't actually go look at it so i don't think sometimes they might not know the expectation is that they're going to receive an email right from the individual and so like that's my kind of safeguard that like hey here's my number you can ask me questions ahead of time if this is good. and it kind of lets them know like hey what's your preferred communication style yeah, Whether they're going to respond in email or they're going to respond in text message. Or-
2: I am just thinking about this through, like, as you're saying this, like, what that would be as an experience. Because nine times out of ten, when you're going somewhere, I would much rather the information of where I'm going be in a text than in an email. Because it's mm-hmm. so frustrating to me. I don't know why, but it's so much more frustrating to me to pull up an email to fi- find the address than it is to be like, oh, so-and-so texted me, let me find that. Yeah, plus these
1: phones today, that when you put in the address and you press it, like Google Maps just pops up, or Apple Maps, like.
2: (laughs) We just need to make it simple. So whatever we can do to lower the barrier of them coming in, and to this point of an invite email, or even a text message, pre-make it, as Nick said. He already has his example because oh my we have encouraged yes. our leaders, automate this process, you guys. Go ahead and save a- Save this in your notes app. Save it, save it in your notes app. Save it in your um, email as a template. What, and that ensures another thing, which I think is later on in our encouragement list down here um, when we're talking about tangible things, but that ensures that you're giving them a quicker response. Yes. nobody is going to feel loved if you've waited after 24 hours to welcome them to your group. They're going to think there's no space for them. And maybe the sign-up process and or they're didn't unwanted. work or that they're unwanted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's in everyone's mind that we didn't talk about is whether they're wanted or not. Right. And yeah. Now let's pretend you've sent this email out, mm-hmm. right? And they haven't responded or you're, you're, you may feel like you're getting ghosted. And I think this brings up the second kind of thing that we would really encourage you to tangibly that you can tangibly do. And it's to try to meet with them face to face. Yeah. So when possible, especially if you have, let's say that there's a Sunday coming up and you're, so let's say you're a Monday group. You receive on Wednesday an email that says, Hey, so-and-so is interested in your group, right? Mm -hmm. I, one of the things I'll include in my email on that one is that, um, I'll say, hey, I'm going to be at this service on Sunday. Yeah. I would love to to meet you or just just to even say hello and introduce myself. Um, that's one of the things that will really reduce someone's fear as they're coming to church, as they're coming to your home is that like, I at least know one person who's going to be there.
2: Yeah. And, and how, how even great if it they can meet you, that's fantastic. But even if you run into somebody else in your group and say, hey, somebody just, is wanting to sign up and join our group, come over here and let me introduce you to them real quick. Highly doubt your other group member would say no. And oh, to- how yeah. much of a connection point is that? That you're bringing not just one face, but two that they'll be able to walk in with and yeah. meet a group that next week.
1: Yep. And if you're feeling, you know, you want to like maybe invite them to coffee or or those kind of things. Sure. But I think one of the other things too, that you can, I just realized too, like I think you'll see in my example email as well is, I let them know, like, I'm going to give them more details as we get closer to Monday. So that's one of the other things that you can kind of build into your quick email is like, hey, I just want to give a quick introduction and here's here's what we do in a sense. But like, I'm going to give you more details as we get closer to that. So it it reduces the, the what goes into that mm-hmm. email as a sense. So yeah. with that, you want to talk about the next tangible way?
2: Yeah. And that's expect people to come. Um, if you're not creating the expectation that people are going to come to your group, your group members will not either. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I think is really important is that it's it's not just you as a leader being prepared for people to come, but we're sharing that expectation with the rest of the people that are in our group. At and Grace, we've, we've worked really hard to think ahead and prepare for others. We We expect people to show up. And we have noticed that having that attitude and that forethought Allows people to to sense and to feel like we talked about earlier that they were prepared for
1: and Mm -hmm. knowing
2: and walking in. I mean, just think about it from a Sunday perspective, knowing that, you know, people have ushers and greeters at the doors that you're not walking in alone, that people were preparing for your arrival. Right. And so you want the same thing to happen inside of your group. You, you we
1: talk about this when we go to fast food restaurants together. Yes. When we go out to restaurants and yes, I t- I there's there's this growing culture of we're gonna treat the drive through before we treat the people standing in front of us. I
2: can't stand it. I can't, <laughs> like it literally. And it's,
1: it's this principle of like they didn't expect me to come, yes. and so like you know we're, we're telling you this because maybe someone's coming to your dinner group or your small group. And you're ignoring them to have a conversation with somebody else. Like you're not trying to help them include them into conversations, help them feel welcomed, those kind of things. Like, did you expect them to be there at all? And
2: that, look, look. we're, of course, we're talking about really practical things. So what does that look like? If you're, if you're saying, okay, Sarah, well, then how do I share that vision with my group? It is tangible. (laughs) Um, Put out one to two extra chairs than you might need for your group. So case in point, this week when I hosted group in my home, um, someone said, oh, is somebody else coming? I was like, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to leave this here anyway. And that has just become part of my normal routine is that I want an extra chair so that if any new people do come in or if somebody's running extremely late, I don't want them to think I didn't prepare for them either. So just having that extra chair, having a little more food than is required, you know. <laughs> um just that little bit extra just so that if somebody didn't eat dinner and they're you know enjoying those extra cookies let them enjoy it without feeling that they're you know leaving everybody else out from enjoying those cookies and it also helps our group members realize it's not about them all the time and it's about the new people that come into our group too
1: yeah yeah and i really think that you can use that spare chair to to your advantage as well Definitely. Um, I think that there's part of it that, like, communicates there's room for more. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that's kind of helpful in this scenario as well is that, okay, Nick and Sarah, you talked about expect people to come. Well, not as many people came as I wanted them to come. Yeah. Never neglect the people that actually showed up. Right. Like, never get mad that, like, I'm supposed to have a group of 10 and four people showed up. Mm-hmm. Those three other people that are there, like, are... You don't know how God wants to use them and or you that night uh, in there. So I would really encourage you to, like stop focusing on the numbers of people that are there, and rarely and
2: f- ever does an intimate group disappoint,
1: yeah, right, right?
2: You get to know like, people better. Man,
1: guys, we have a really great opportunity tonight. It's just the four of us, right. And so we're going to get to chat more and mm-hmm. da, 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 those kind of things that go with it. All right. what's next?
2: I think something we have to think about is you know, if we're talking about hospitality, then what is our space going to look like, right? When you're creating environment, let's talk about the actual space. And I learned a massive lesson about this my first year of leading group. I was living alone. Um, and of course, being from the South, my Southern hospitality tendency sometimes can go into like an unhealthy swing. And that I rushed home from work, feeling that Everything had to be spotless mm-hmm. and everything needed to be clean. And I had to use all my nice dishes and dinner had to be piping hot. And I mean, you guys, I broke a sweat trying to prepare for my group. And I sit there. Everything was beautifully laid out. Like it was a miracle. I made it in time before the first person walked in the door from all the work that I was huffing and puffing around my apartment doing. And that, it was there was nothing wrong with what I was doing, right? I wanted it to communicate to them that they were loved. They were welcome in my home, that, you know, I prepared for them, yeah. right? A little too much. And, you know, but the thing that came after.
1: So, what that, you're saying is that your space didn't need to be Southern M- Living Magazine?
2: It didn't. I mean, it could have been Magnolia <laughs> Journal. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: sorry. It's, it's why? yeah, do I need to use a more recent example? I'm no, sorry. I, I just. do think Southern like, Living date is a wonderful,
2: a wonderful uh, you know, like, what do you call it?
1: Yeah. Okay. So does, it, does that mean we just leave it a complete mess?
2: No. What yeah. <laughs> What happened is that I, I did all this and I'm a new group leader, right? And so the next time I asked someone to host group, because I just started realizing that time after time and week after week, it was all at my apartment. And I was like, this, this is a bit much, you know? And not that I did not enjoy it, but it was just like, I would really love for someone else to host And I realized that because of someone in my group's response, when I asked my group if someone wanted to host, they were like, Sarah, I don't know, like you set the bar really high and I don't think we can, we can meet it. And that is exactly what that person told me. And I will never forget it because at that moment I realized, Sarah, the queen was not coming to your apartment. (laughs) They're not eating off the floor. Yeah. They understand that you just came home from work. Yeah. They don't need the pomp and circumstance, yeah, they need a welcoming, warm environment, and I also need to communicate. You don't have to repeat what I just did for group to go well or for you to host group at your home, yeah, because what I was saying was the expectation is up here, yeah, and the expectation is high, and that did not help when it comes to reproducing in my group um because it it was just too much, right? It was. It was just too much cleaning and it was not enough enjoying. And yes, it was like a complete Martha moment.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the things that we could do to prepare the space? Let me start with the first one uh, (laughs) because it's remove the distractions from your home. Yep. Um, I think this is really good in practice because you want to have a quality discussion mm-hmm. and meaningful conversation and so um you're also probably in your group covenant or outline or whatever it is that your group kind of agrees on on, on how you guys are going to get along one of them is probably like the way in which you participate in conversation and then one of is probably like that like please don't do to have things that are, that are distracting but we don't consider the environment we don't distracting we when don't. we talk about that so i think I that's one of those things that we because re- of zoom oh yeah that's interesting about like hey please mute if you're not participating i
2: think we might now be more because of zoom but now that we're going back in person we still have some other things to consider
1: so the one that i want to talk about with distractions to really consider is pets i really hope that we don't offend the dog people but they don't make good group members and i would caution you if you think that you have the dog that's the exception right um now maybe your group's full of dog lovers though maybe you're a dog lover group kind of thing but like, I would at least like figure out like what are the boundaries with the dog at least. Like if it's not okay for a human to do, I don't think it's okay for, if yeah, if it's not okay for your group member to do, I don't think it's okay that we should tolerate from the dog. So like my example from this is I was in a group once and the the dog just came and laid in the middle of the group and then just went spread eagle. Like because I think he wanted someone to like rub his belly. And mm-hmm. um the problem is, is that, someone's over here like pouring out their heart and here comes in this dog that like distracts us from being able to care for this person who's pouring out their heart. And yeah. it's just like, Hey, is someone going to pet that dog? Like, is someone going to hand that person a Kleenex?
2: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like that, that's one of those things. So like consider that I I really think like maybe there's a time where they can be involved yep. and then maybe there's a space where, where that needs to be removed. And this would be I I expect letters on this potentially. Um, but um I don't know if this will make it. But one of the things I want to say is like I've realized there's a lot of family groups and things like that. And so you guys are gonna have different roles and I love that your families get to be a part of group and that your children are a part of it. But if you're trying to reach young adults, sometimes the children can it can be a distraction. Be a distraction. But sometimes there's children again, it's the same scenario where like Hey, we're really trying to. Someone's sharing. They're, they're, we're trying to have a conversation, and then constantly a kid is interrupting or something along those lines. So that's one of those things that's like it's it's going to be really challenging. I recognize childcare is extremely difficult, but if you can, like, it's one of those conversations I think you want to have with your group about like, hey, we want to have a distraction free environment. So that means we're going to put away our phones. Maybe that's your kind of group that you kind of establish, yeah. or like. Hey, when it gets time, like we're each going to rotate and someone's going to watch the kids so that it doesn't become mm-hmm. a distraction to the group. Um, So yeah, take that with a grain of salt. I recognize that like that might be specific to our context, but I also like I'm already, I already see your email coming of bring the children to me.
2: The other thing <laughs> to take some pressure off of you, <laughs> the, other,
0: the
1: <laughs>
2: other thing is, and this might be a freebie or an easy one, but I still think we forget that this still needs to be done. And is that, if that's if you're using some sort of audio visual,
1: uh-huh. please test yeah. it, right?
2: <laughs> you don't want that to be a distraction because if you're on a roll, you don't want yeah. your, you know, technical problems that could have been remedied before group.
1: No, it happens all the time. Or like a Wi-Fi right? or, yeah. issue
2: or, you know, just something that...
1: Knowing how to cast, yeah, those kind of things that are, sure that, that are modern issues. Yeah, sure those things issues. are cleaned
2: up because yeah. it's, it's part of it. Yep. Um, and And something I think is important go- going back to the space that you're setting is I really think your seating is is just as important. I think some really good rules of thumb is that it should be comfortable if possible and really when you can set it up in a circle because you want to be able to see each other's faces. You want to yeah. be able to to have that communal aspect to it and I really do feel like that helps someone feel a part of the group because it allows them literally yeah. to be a part of the group. And it's It's a very belonging um, atmosphere you're creating. I think
1: there's something also powerful about the table. If you can get around the table, I think that's super helpful. I realize some groups get up to like 12 and 13 and some groups can, we don't have this in Hoboken because we can't fit it more than like 12 people, but some get like to really big numbers. So that's one of those things that that I would do. What's another fun way to prepare the space?
2: I'm going to throw this out there and I hope no one, for some circumstances, a lot of guys I know, say, I don't think I can create a hospitable place because I'm not as good as, you know, some of the females that I know. And can I just say that is totally not true. Can <laughs> I tell you, gentlemen, that you can totally do this and that please don't put pressure on undue pressure yeah. on yourself. I would tell can that to anybody. Can I tell my secret? Yes, yeah, please.
1: So when I, <laughs> this would this be interesting. I will grab on the way home from work. I'll get one of those $4 cookies. From a corner store, you know, those like easy bake things you just throw bake. in the oven and they, yeah, ready and bakes. <laughs> and um, they take 15 minutes, but they make your house smell amazing. Like yeah. who doesn't want to walk in and smell fresh baked cookies or popcorn or those kind of things. So things are the things that are kind of pleasant aromas are one of those things that can be really welcoming as yeah. you as you walk you, in.
2: You may not have any other things to offer or in like if you're not a person who has, you know, you might be a minimalist. That's great. <laughs> but you know what? The smell of your place is actually something that is warm and inviting. So go to Target, find yep. an awesome candle.
1: And it's one of those other side of the brain things. Yeah, right? totally. You remember those kind
2: completely. Of so. Um, I would suggest one. You know, that wouldn't harm anybody's allergies.
1: Yeah, and I think there's one last really important one that you want to share about being having your space prepared.
2: Be ready fifteen minutes before your group starts. Yeah. Um, because you will always have one person show up early. There's one in every group. Mm-hmm. There may be more than one. In every group, Um, I've had seasons where there's been multiple.
1: We have a lot of people come right after work. We do. And sometimes they just don't have time to go home in time. They show up early. Or it would
2: be like a complete walk across town. You don't want to make anybody feel that uncomfortable. But be be ready 15 minutes early. And I think it also goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Not only will you have somebody show up early, um, but it helps you be prepared for the people that are coming. It's a great time to connect with people one-on-one as they're coming in. But I also think it's a great heart check, right? It is a great time to get the posture of your heart ready to welcome people and actively practice hospitality.
1: Yeah, so so far intangibility. there's been, we've, t- we've covered four. So the invite email that we have, we have meeting face-to-face, we have expecting people to come, we have prepared the space. What's the last one, the fifth one that you want us to know?
2: You're the host. Yes. You, The people who come into your group, need to know who will be there, right? Like they need to know who they're expecting to see. You're the host. But you also want to be able to know who is coming. Mm-hmm. Look at your roster.
1: Is there someone you haven't seen there in a while that you need to send a text?
2: Is there some names that sometimes you just keep forgetting or you get wrong? It happens, right? Like,
1: <laughs> oh my God, I've been calling her Kristen this whole time and she's Kirsten.
2: You know, it could happen. <laughs> it could totally happen. Or if you've only met somebody one time, you know, it, it happens. Um, the worst thing that you can do is be a relaxed, um, and passive host. You never want anybody yeah. to do the welcoming for you. You want to be the one who is offering that. And I, I remember this, um, and it's one of my favorite things about Priya's, Priya's book, um, the art of the gathering. And, and that is, um, three things you can do to be a great host. One is connect your guests, find opportunities to know each other. Your role is to make sure people know each other. And Nick has a phenomenal time saver tip. You've shared this with me. You've shared this with other leaders. Um, Explain that.
1: Yeah, so this actually happened this month. I got three weeks in a row where I had people sign up for my group for the first time. So when someone signs up new for the first time, I do a couple of things. The first thing I do is I give a heads up to the rest of our group because I want everyone to be joining in and making this person feel welcome. And one of the things that gets a little frustrating when you've hit the third week in a row is like, you can't just go through and do like introductions for the third time in a row. So I will go around and do it for them. So I'll go around the room and be like, hey, this is Brian. He's from Chicago and he works in sports marketing. And this is Todd. And Todd works at a catering company and he used to live in South Jersey. And like just going through and trying to give someone it up. But then also saying like, listen, you're going to meet these people and get to hear their stories. But like this gives you kind of like a brief introduction of, of who they are. Yeah. That's just so. a great
2: tip. And I'll also say this, it a lot of the things we're talking about today could also overflow into your work environment. And I think that's one of them. It's a great yeah. networking tool. Um, the second one is protect your guests. Not mm-hmm. only are you connecting your guests to be a good host, you're also conne- uh, protecting your guests. You want to be careful of those that can steer your conversation. Sometimes we have the long talkers. Sometimes we have, on and on talkers, we have those that are, you know, sometimes um, that are just really discouraged in where they are in life. And, and we just want to be able to steer the conversation, right? And, and make sure that we're staying on topic, being good stewards of people's time, but just being able to um, protect your guests in and how the experience of the evening and the flow of the evening is going. And the third thing is equalize your guests. You mm-hmm. want to hear from everyone. This is something that I have really, when I first started leading, this was something that I was really, really careful of. And because I had a lot of friends who would, who call themselves introverts, but yet when they talk, they drop these spiritual anvils that like <laughs> sit on you for the entire week. So yes. you want to engage those people, right? And you want to be able to pull out from them. And you don't want them to be hidden inside of your group. You want them to feel that they yes. are part of your group. And so how can you actively equalize your guests and that your group members all feel like they have a valuable voice around the table and that they have something to contribute? And when you give those people space, yeah. you encourage them and you support it and you celebrate yeah. it. And for me, you you pick the anvil up and you and sit if, with it for a while.
1: Yeah, the other thing I would say there to caution you with though is just be careful if uh, if someone's brand new and they've been quiet the whole time um and like and you want to be careful how you challenge them. Like, Oh yeah. So like, I think I would originally like in the old days, come at it and be like, Hey, so how are you taking this all in? Right. And it's just like, I would now say like, Hey, if you're comfortable, like, I'm just curious, how does this hit you? Right. Or like those kind of things, like what's standing out to you or what?
2: And something I've noticed recently in a lot of uh, new people in group, I all you, it's a body language check, right? If they're nodding their head or they're like agreeing, like, that's that's an open sign of like, hey, you were just shaking your head in agreement. What is your thought on that? You know, so just making it um friendly yeah. and an equalizing conversation. Um, and then the last thing when you when you are the host is you want to follow up and encourage. Just as I said, yes, there were friends and and members of my group that would drop an anvil and and of that awesome truth. Yes. and you literally sometimes in the moment. I say thank you for sharing that. Like because I have no mm-hmm. follow up, I have no like I don't even want to I don't even want to add anything to what they just said because it was beautiful and they said it and it was from them and it was from their heart. Um and so I I really try to say thank you for sharing, making that a part of my and really meaning it.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Because
2: you listen. You were like an yeah. active listener in that situation. Yeah. Um but engaging personally when you're following up and encouraging people, whether that be in person saying, thank you for sharing in a text. Hey, what you shared tonight at group was really awesome. Or maybe even the next morning, what you said is still on my mind. Like mm-hmm. that was amazing. That's a good line. Um, or email. Like the reason I say in person text and email, and yes, these are in order, is because an encouraging word to someone in person, it ha- holds a different weight than what was in text. And text to me, and I think to others, also has a weightier importance than an email. And so yeah. it, it just offers that welcoming, belonging, again, all the things yep. that we're trying to drill in today, yep. um, engaging personally.
1: Here's, here's the time that you really need to do this. If you invited someone to come to group that night or you're like, hey, we haven't seen you in a while. Really great to have you jump back into group with us. Um, or maybe like, it's just like, hey, we haven't seen you in a while. Like just really love for you to be in group with us. And they show up. Acknowledge that you have to like, you, I don't yeah. know if you noticed, but you made a request that they kind of be there, and, they and did. so like let them know they made a difference. Let them know that they are valued, and they'll continue to be a part of it. Like you want them to continue sharing the things that were really powerful that she talked about the the spiritual anvils. If it was actually true and it was a spiritual anvil, and you 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 like kind of acknowledge it, like like she just said. So that's the thing that we're we're trying to get there, definitely. So.
2: And to do that, you got to pay attention to what's in, what's said in group. Be able to acknowledge it afterwards. You want to yeah. explain why in an honest way. Why it was great to have them back in group. Build yeah. out that why. Um, appreciate you know what you shared. It's still moving me. It's still in my mind. And don't lie. We can yeah. be. We can't be wrapped up in ourselves for yep. the details.
1: You're done if you lie. Why in this we one. <laughs>
2: can't even build a why? Like it's just not necessary. Yeah. Because it's not about you. Um, And then the last thing, it's going to be simple, but sometimes we as leaders forget, add them to your roster.
1: Yeah, there we go. So this was our tangibility section. We're going to come back after this break and we're going to dive into the intangible things. So come back after this break and Jason, take it away. Hey, thanks, Nick. And happy Thanksgiving to all you small group point people out there in the trenches. I hope you have
0: a great time celebrating and being thankful. Now, I want to share a few things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my son. I'm thankful for my church community that I'm a part of. And I'm thankful for the small group network and how much they bring people together to make small groups better all over the world. One of the ways they do that is through the lobby gathering. Now you can join us for that. Join us February 22nd through the 24th, located at Saddleback Church's amazing Rancho Capistrano Retreat Center. The Lobby Gathering is an out-of-the-box small group networking event where we create environments for small group point people to relax and connect together in casual conversation about group ministry, much like they would a church lobby over a cup of coffee. I tell you what, this is perfect for beginners. This is perfect for veteran small group point people because you will all have an equal voice in the circle of conversation. You will also get to hear and learn from some of the brightest small group point people from around the world. Now visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash conferences to sign up today. Again, that's smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash conferences. We haven't gathered like this since 2020, so be part of this regathering celebration. Now back to Reading Lens.
1: Welcome back to the Reading Lens Podcast. Again, we're here today sharing about hospitality tips that we've learned over our several years of being group leaders. We started talking about tangible ways and now we're going to wrap up here towards the end with intangible ways. So how do we want to start, Sarah?
2: We want to start an intangible way is getting the group involved. People come into your group. If you've been dealing with them, whether you're the one who met them behind a connections desk or you're the one who texted them or emailed them, They're going to expect, they're going to have that expectation that you are the person that's going to connect them, that you're the person that's going to remember they're going to be looking out for Sarah, right? Or Nick. Mm -hmm. Um, But an intangible hospitality win is when your group members connect with them. It blows their mind.
1: Yeah. So I think I shared about this in the last section, but that one of the things I have my group members do, I give them a heads up when someone new is going to be coming to Mm -hmm. group. And I even share with them, listen, they're going to expect me to be kind and welcoming to them. You're going to blow their mind when they come and everyone is is trying to include them into it. And like, my guys have so bought into this. And I think some of this starts with like your group expectations that we talked about. And so one of, we talk about distributing the roles all the Mm -hmm. time. And one of the things as a leader that I, I, I'm confident you're doing and you're doing this, but like distributing roles. Have you ever considered giving the role away of someone's job to be the welcoming committee to this group yeah. or things like that? We have people who love to get coffee with others outside of the leader. It's one thing when the leader's like, hey, I'd love to grab coffee with you. Do you know what it's like when someone else in the group is like, man, you're really interesting what you had to share tonight. Do you think we could grab coffee over the weekend? Like
2: That is solidifying what yes. they're going there to do. That yeah. means we're firing at all cylinders and we're doing exactly what community is meant to be doing
1: yeah yeah And I, i'll be honest I, I wonder sometimes if that's like in a tip that's really going to help you with the young adults i know i'm confident that'll help you with the young adults that are yeah. that are looking for someone to connect with i i don't know what that looks like as people becomes that but i'm sure like i've seen it now that we've become parents like we're always looking i'm always looking for other dads to get to talk mm-hmm. to you and moms are looking for other moms to, get to talk to you so i'm sure that just continues on and people Want to share their story, and I can't tell you how much it helps once you hear someone's story. And
2: this is the thing if this is an outflow of your heart, it's going yeah. to be received as that, it's not yeah. going to be received as you being fake or just trying too hard. No. It's going to be received in the manner in which it was presented. And if that is truly our group's passion, if that is if if we're yeah. all acting in that way and we're all following that command that was given to us that we're practicing this. Unbegrudgingly and, and without grumbling, then it is going to be a beautiful outpouring from our heart. And it's really going to mean something to the person who's on the yeah. receiving end of it.
1: Yeah. We've talked about initially about how we try to get everyone to encourage like being welcoming. One of the other things we want our group members to all own is something that we call invite and invest here. I recognize this term gets used a lot, but it's really that like we want others to be inviting their friends to be a part of this Definitely. as well. Like, obviously it would be the most ideal situation is they go and start their own group, right? Um, you have you and two friends, like, seriously, go start your own group. Like, help them help them get there. But for some people, they're just not there yet, right? And so, like, they they want their friends to be in part of that. So, like, trying to get them to, to think about who that might be, um, who will your group members invest in, but also, like, help them identify who are in their proximity. So, um, I don't know what it is, but I'm always shocked when I ask my group members who they are investing and inviting in and they give me the names of people who are far away. Like it's all it's so interesting I'll be like, so hey, yeah, like who are we? Like, well, I'm, you know, I'm really interested in reaching my brother and it's like, oh, where does your brother live? Like, oh, he lives in South Korea and it's just like, hey, cool, that's 6,000 miles away. Like, how are the steps you're going to take to invest in him
2: The level of of investment is different when the proximity is closer.
1: Yeah. And I would say like help them see the people who are, who are near them. So like, who are the people at their job, in their building, at their kids' baseball practice, or um, at the hockey rink, or wherever you may be?
2: The thing about this, too, to, to say here is that there is a heart check moment mm-hmm. when it comes to this.
1: You know where you're and, going? this and
2: I am saying this because I currently am living it out. Mm. It can, and I'm just going to be vulnerable, right? That's what we do as groups people. Um, it is really easy to be in ministry or to be in leadership and to be around your people constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your leaders or people in your group are having trouble naming people to even want to invest and invite in, then that means that our Christian bubble might be a tad too tight. Um, yeah. And that we need to l- look at where the places in my life that I'm might need to broaden my proximity yeah. or show up in or yeah. dive in a little deeper too. And for me, I mean, I thought of that for a moment there when we started fall, it was, okay, I have been so entrenched in some of this. That's not a bad thing, but my mind has not been present to where other places I can be present in, like at the park with my daughter and meeting these awesome nannies and, and moms and having play dates with people I don't know. And and being brave to do that mm-hmm. and, and uh, letting that circle be something that I can invest and invite in.
1: Yeah, I, know, I apologize if I'm jesus juking you here, but do you bring that into your prayer life of like, do you like, man, God, like, help me. Help
2: yes, me. and you did. And, uh, and that, I don't mean that and like that you set me up for that. <laughs> you totally did not know that my answer was going to be yes. But it's totally true because yeah. my husband and I were really thinking, we were just thinking, like, how can we, how can we do this? And because I didn't have an answer, I had to pray about it. I literally yeah. didn't have an answer. And I felt yep. extremely like, <laughs> I felt like there was a finger on me going, hey, yeah. that was a huge nudge there of like this part of your life may need to change.
1: Yeah. And then I would say the other thing too is don't miss the opportunities that exist on oh, Sunday. It's, such an, don't, one. Yeah, it's right? such an easy one. Yeah, right? It's such an easy one. Your church has new people that come every single Sunday. And so we have a little acronym that'll help you out with this. It's FORM. So F O R M. And the first one is from. And so I usually just start with, hey, do you live around here? And if you notice, I didn't say like, hey, do you live in the specific city that you're in? So for us, I didn't say, hey, do you live in Hoboken, Mm -hmm. right? Because I've learned that if you say, do you live around here, they get to define what's around here. And then this is the other tip that I have. (laughs) They'll, I I think like 75% of the time I get, no, I don't really live around here. I live and they'll tell me a place that's six blocks away. And I'll be you're like, from <laughs> you're from around here. And even if they say someplace that's, it depends. I think I do have a limit. <laughs> if they say a, a town that's like within 20 minutes, I'll usually say, oh, yeah, that's around here. Like kind of thing. Um, it, it It's a, a great thing. And then the other one with the from that goes with that is how long have you been attending? Right. So I think a great principle that you're going to see in these forms as well is assume that they're already doing don't yes. walk into hey is this your first time and you're you're gonna i'll be honest you're gonna have to learn that mistake more than once so it's of just like i can't say that because they're gonna be like you know i've been coming here for three years and like that's the thing that's just like I, I can't tell you how many times i've gotten that but i've learned the hard way like how long have you been attending Backtracking right? out of
2: that one is a little difficult
1: yeah <laughs> yeah the next one is occupation. So, Hey, what do you do for a living? It gives you a chance to get to hear what they do and what they're interested in. R is recreation. Very similar. Like, what do you like to do for fun? Um, is a great one. That's a good reminder for myself. I think that's why I usually just do, uh, foam, which is just F O M. And I think like, I, I need to remember that one. Like, what is it that you enjoy? Um, and then the last one is ministry, which can also be a group. And this is your opportunity to bring it home. And like, I just, shared earlier of of the conversation of assume that they're already doing it instead of asking hey are you in a group ask them which group are you a part of and when they tell you oh i'm not in a group oh my gosh sarah you've got to come join my group we have to, we have room for you we'd love to have you and like there's that personal mm-hmm. invitation that they've been waiting for this whole time to come to group and it's it's one of those things i just man like uh, again so from or do you live around here how long have you been attending what do you do for a living what do you like to do for fun what group are you a part of and i'll be honest sometimes like obviously you guys are smart people right and you can get to it as well and it's like do you live do you live around here how long have you been attending like oh this is my first time here oh well, we have this thing called groups. We would really love for you to be a part of that. Like, come join me or like, man, I bet you haven't had a chance to go to this coffee shop yet. And it's phenomenal. So can I buy your first cup mm-hmm. there? Like, just look for those opportunities to step in there. That's one I had never thought of before, but that's a really good one of like, man, I'm. we've been getting this a lot because there's a lot of people moving oh, yeah. in right now. And it's like, oh man, you haven't had a chance to go eat at Carlos Bakery. Like, hey, let me go buy you your first cupcake or let me go buy you your first lobster roll or cannoli, yes. right? Cannoli for sure. You know, sure. kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, and trying to like just find an opportunity to, to connect with them. So, And then do you want to tell us about the last one? Yeah.
2: So we talked about coming in with this, this posture into this practice of hospitality and, and the posture of our heart. And overall, one of the things that we have to remember is that prayer is of utmost importance. In this process, we can do the practical and tangible things, but we can't do this without prayer. We mm-hmm. can't. Um, and so we like to encourage our leaders in, in doing this, that we want to prepare our hearts for other people. And I also think it's something that you bring your group into. And the final thing um, is to pray before and after, um, before group and after. You know, it's, it is something we cannot do on our own. If we were yeah. to do groups ministry by ourselves, we would fail. If we were to welcome people on our own strength and our own muster, we're going to hurt someone's feelings at some point. What we would hope to be hospitable and kind, sometimes is going to fall flat. But what, if we are doing it through the posture and practice of prayer and welcoming others and wanting to do what Jesus did and it be an overflow um, of sharing what he did for us, we can't, yeah. we can't go wrong.
1: Wow. That is incredible. All right, Sarah, so we've reached the end, which means that we're in the lightning round. So what's another book, podcast, movie, anything that you've learned recently that's had an impact on your leadership? So I
2: feel like, as my friend, you would expect me to say all these Hallmark movies that I watch and enjoy, <laughs> but I'm going to flip the script on you. I have thoroughly enjoyed this TV show called Seal Team. Okay. I know you're not expecting What's this the song? It's on? on uh, CBS, but I think now it's on Paramount. Oh, you're so It's now old. on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> um
1: that now makes you Brian, again you're it's a streaming,
2: streaming on Sundays um yeah. but one of the things that I love about this show and it's something that I never knew was a part I mean, if, when you watch military shows you I feel like you always learn something because yeah. we're not always privy to that unless that's part of your life and um yeah one thing I love about the show is that there's this role of this woman um she is it's Her storyline in the whole thing is how she is the one that preps and gets all the energy (laughs) and gets all the ducks in a row before the SEAL team goes out on their mission. But she's also the one that is uh, like sending the drone out that watches them while they're going out on their mission. And I love this woman. I love that they're telling the story of how she collects her intel. She works with the CIA. Like it's all these pieces coming together of her like, putting together this massive yep. thing and then like watching them excel. And I think it's the coolest thing, small piece in the overall puzzle, but she's a part of their team. She goes out on missions with them and I've just thoroughly learned a lot about leadership through team That's awesome.
1: <laughs> cool. And what's one book you're looking forward to?
2: Um, Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People, Seven Ways to Welcome Ooh. Like Jesus.
1: That's wow. my next one. Okay. Uh, well, Sarah, this was great. I really enjoyed you being for here. Me. Well, I'm Nick Lindsey, and I want to thank you for listening with us. Special thanks to Sarah for sharing your experiences and your gift of hospitality with us. We hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast. Come back next week for Steve and Derek, as they're going to give us a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on at Saddleback on their show, Inside Saddleback, which is always great. And thanks for joining us. Remember, leaders are readers. Take care, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically.